Welcome to the Internet History Podcast. I'm your host, Brian McCullough. So usually I don't uh, like to post two episodes back-to-back about the same topic. I like to uh, split it up just a little bit. But last week's discussion about SoundCloud got a pretty great reception. And right as I was posting it, another great piece about SoundCloud was posted on BuzzFeed by the great Ryan Mack, who's one of the best tech reporters out there. So, in a rare attempt to be topical, I guess, today's episode uh, is a follow-up, a discussion with Ryan Mack about his article called The Inside Story of SoundCloud's Collapse. Um, And hopefully we're going to fill in some of the details about some of the things that Christina and I were speculating on last week. So please enjoy the continuing SoundCloud saga with the great Ryan Mack. Ryan Mack, thanks for coming on the Internet History Podcast. Thanks for having me. So uh, uh, last week, uh, Christina Warren was on the show, and we had this great conversation about SoundCloud. And like the very next day, you dropped this amazing story in BuzzFeed. <laughs> um, so I really appreciate you being willing to... Um, to come on and talk about that because it really, really fills in some of the the pieces about what we were talking about. Um, I guess my uh, my first question would be: uh, I think you talked to like a dozen uh, SoundCloud people. Like, are they um, are they eager to talk at the moment, or uh, did you, did you sort of have to talk them into talking? <laughs> I think it's like uh, I lost count, but it's it's more than a dozen at this point. Mm-hmm. And I talked to some people after. The stories come out, but yeah, when these things happen, um, there's so many people out there that that kind of run the gamut of like, do they want to talk to the press or do they not want to? And so, the interesting thing happened that happened when these people got laid off. Most recently, there was 173 people, I think, and they were all in this spreadsheet. Um, I don't know if that was talked about, but um, uh, one employee had put together this spreadsheet of SoundCloud employee or former SoundCloud employees that were looking for a job. And so they they sent it out to like recruiters and it had all the contact information on there. So I just started pinging people mm. through that. And uh, it was an amazing reporting research that I had no, I had, I had little legwork in that because like <laughs> people's emails were, were right there. And so, um, yeah, some people didn't respond. Some people said they didn't want to talk. Um, at some point, I, I started getting a view into like some like internal Facebook private groups, and people were like discussing like like should we talk to the press, should we not? But um, usually, you find a, a good group that, that wants to talk, especially with so many people out there. Is it generally a thing where like everybody's got their own version of what went wrong, or is there generally consensus on on what might be going wrong at SoundCloud at the moment? Well, everyone has their own story, and. Everyone, I mean, employees are oftentimes like siloed in their like groups, mm-hmm. and especially with such a like international company. I mean, it was uh, employees were spanned across Berlin, which was the main office, New York, uh, San Francisco. They had and they had a couple people in places like Australia, um, uh, and other like other places in Europe. London was another office. So 
everyone had their own like kind of view on what happened. Um, but the overarching themes, uh, I tried to capture and put it all together in like a compelling narrative. So I guess the, the, the biggest question, um, is mm-hmm. in my mind, uh, why they decided to go ahead and try to mimic people like Spotify and yeah. do their own streaming service. Cause you even say in the piece that for years, the founders said that they didn't want to do that, 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 mm-hmm. um, this strategy of, of trying to be ad supported was going to allow them to be quote free and open and stuff like that. So do we have any sense of why they pivoted and tried to try to do streaming? So I want to like go back and like, cause that's the question I always had. I mean, I, I approached this as like an avid user of SoundCloud. Like even I remember using the thing back in like 2012, 2011, 2012, and like finding DJ mixes and remixes that you couldn't find anywhere else on the web. And, and I wrote a story when I was at Forbes on, on the company uh, in 2013 around that idea of like, well, SoundCloud is this very unique web property that has all this stuff that you just can't find on, on Spotify or iTunes at the time, or even Pandora. And, and at some point it changed. I mean, at some point, they made a conscious decision to go after um, this kind of music streaming market and get these kind of label catalogs. And a lot of people in the company, uh, or at least formerly at the company, thought that was a huge mistake because they were sacrificing what made them unique uh, in favor of kind of chasing this established um, Mm -hmm. way of doing things in the music business, but not so much like uh, differentiated to, to Spotify. And, and that was a huge mistake. And a lot of people see that them doing that as a result of like pressure from the labels. Labels have this tried uh, this this way of doing things. They've uh, pretty much every streaming service has the same price that's been uh, instituted um, in terms of subscription, whether that's uh, Title or uh, Apple Music or or Spotify. And a lot of people think SoundCloud's hand was forced in, in this whole like. Uh, situation. So you're saying that from the label's perspective, they're thinking, "Oh, great! Here's here's another platform. Let's sign them up for uh, our, our existing scheme." And 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 that was maybe the motivation. Right. Here's yeah. another platform with with a couple million users or right. millions of users. Um, they're making a lot of money, so we want to get in on that action because they're monetizing content that our artists are putting out, whether that's through remixes or even just like pirated songs that are uploaded to SoundCloud, we should get in on that action, but how, do we, how are we going to drive revenue from them um, uh, long term? And so let's, let's, let's make sure that they, they also have this, this kind of streaming stuff going that, that these other guys have. Well, I was, I mean, if you look at the chronology, it's, it seems like that pivot also happened after they had their last really successful um, uh, venture round raise. Um, so do is there any suspicion that maybe it was investors that were like, Hey, what, uh, stop, stop playing your little game over here that you haven't been able to monetize. Go, go with what works. Do do we have any sense that that might've been part of it? I talked to some investors and, um, yeah, I mean, the board is always like has to sign off on these decisions and they're, they're aware of these things. Um, and so, yeah, there's, there's some responsibility of the board, um, in terms of decision making. Um, but at the end of the day, it was like a, 
it was the wrong decision whether you want to place that blame on the CEO or the board or mm-hmm. or the labels um, because it kind of really just dis- destroyed the uniqueness of the property. So they launch uh, SoundCloud Go, I guess, March of last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, do mm-hmm. we know what the what the uptake uh, has been on that? Like uh, how successful or not successful it's been? I spoke to an employee who left, I, I believe, September of 2016, and I believe at that time it was in the hundreds of thousands uh, of users or, or signups. Um, I, I'm sure it's gone up recently, but if you compare that to, I think Spotify is 50 million mm-hmm. now. <laughs> um, Apple Music is a bit further behind, but it's in the tens of millions, if I remember the last cor- number correctly. I don't have them in front of me. Hundreds of thousands is, is not going to move the needle, and they're going to have to sign up a lot more in order to have impact there. Um, in your piece, there's a, a couple of different instances of, of also sort of like internal strife that you mentioned. Um, yeah. There's um, that Jeff uh, to, uh, Toeg or Toeg or Jeff something. Jeff Toeg. Toeg that's yeah. brought in. Um, and he some some of the SoundCloud employees referred to him as a bully, but he's only brought in because it seems like the the main founder Alexander. I mean, he already seems to have this reputation of you know <laughs> posting Instagram pictures of parties and private jets. Is is some of it from from the SoundCloud people? Can some of the blame maybe be placed at? the feet of like Alexander's just at various times, hasn't been paying very much attention or had much commitment to, to SoundCloud. Well, it was certainly, it was certainly their hiring decision, right? They hired this guy who they thought could, could come in and help them, uh, make them, uh, more, more, uh, he was, he was brought in basically to handle label negotiations as well mm-hmm. as to provide structure to the business. Um, he had past experience working with the labels, um, at a company that was uh, called Move, uh, Move Music, which is on, I think, was a, like an app that was preloaded on Cricket Wireless phones. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, he was, he was kind of seen as uh, internally as like, like, he doesn't think like us. He's not an artist, but he's a business guy, and he's going to help us get these deals done. And, and Alex really brought him in. Alex and Eric, the two co-founders, brought him in to, to do that. And it ultimately didn't work out. And in fact, it was a disaster by a lot of, uh, employees recollections. So, and, and not just because he couldn't sign those deals, but because of the culture stuff that we can go into later. Um, and yeah, some of the blame has to be placed on, on the co-founders for hiring someone that, that just was not the right fit and couldn't do his job. I get, um, I do get the impression you, you mentioned the culture, um, from, mm-hmm. from some of the people that you quote that, it is sort of like there's several it's a company of of two or more minds where there's there's people within the company that that joined it because they liked that early community aspect that that SoundCloud has sort of turned away from and then there's other people that have been like we've got to find the business model that sort of thing mm-hmm. um so is that also yeah. possibly what's going on is that it's just there's not everyone's rowing in any particular direction at all yeah and i think you always get that kind of conflict like as companies grow, they like attempt like have to monetize, and some of the earlier employees who were brought in for because they like the community feel of it feel kind of isolated or alienated uh, as the company moves in a different direction. You get the same thing with like users, um, early users. Hey, I love SoundCloud's DJ mixes. Why are you guys like running ads now? Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, everything has always been free. Uh, so 
things change and, and people, their moods certainly change and their views on the company certainly change. And, um, but yeah, Toy was brought in at this time where the culture was definitely shifting. Um, they started hiring salespeople to drive um, uh, ad sales for this new product, uh, this new ad platform called On SoundCloud, which was a, um, basically a revenue sharing um, service with, with their creators. And he was brought on to, to kind of get that going as well as like finally hammer out deals with the label so they don't get sued um, by these, by the big three, mm-hmm. um, um, which was always also another threat that was hanging over their heads at any given time. Um, the, uh, I, I, I'm not even tangentially connected to the music business, but if I decided to yeah. get into the music business, the first thing I would know <laughs> is that negotiating with the record labels is notoriously a difficult yeah. thing to do. So again, it's, it's almost like, how did you not think that that was going to be difficult? Like you say in the piece that one of the things they didn't anticipate was that it would take years to land these deals. How, right. how did they not anticipate that? Exactly. I mean, you got to remember SoundCloud was founded in 2007, eight. So like they'd been in it for so long and you would think that they would be aware of this like impending, like showdown at the labels. Um, and yeah, it was a question I asked multiple times, like to everyone, like how are they not ready for this, and why? Why didn't they have their their kind of things in order before on labels? And and the labels were notoriously hard to negotiate with. I mean, I, this was an anecdote. I don't know if it made it in the story or not, but um, at some point, uh, someone at the company had like mentioned, "Oh, we're going to launch on SoundCloud on August." 2014 and that's going to be a revenue sharing platform and we're going to have all the majors on it. So all three majors are going to be launching with us. In fact, they had timed an interview with the New York times to, to go with this launch. And, uh, and when the the story went out, they would have all three labels, uh, on board and the labels heard that and said, well, that's an, that's a negotiating tactic in our favor. Like we know you guys have to get this done by this point. Uh, and we're going to twist your arm because you guys have put a date on it. And when that came, that launch came around August, 2014, none of the majors were signed. Um, in fact, it took a couple, a couple months for even one of them to get on board. And it was a huge embarrassment in the company, huge embarrassment for p- people like Jeff Toig who had been, been brought in to, to do that deal. And they had to pivot and completely change their launch. And if you look at the, like the launch language around that time, um, they focused, they, they focused on indies and they were like, Oh, we've always been a, independent platform for independent artists. And this is why we're launching for independent artists. But internally, like there was huge amounts of strife for missing uh, uh, on closing a deal with, with any of the labels for that launch. Well, you know, that almost, we we said earlier, um, you know, the labels, uh, here's just another platform. Let's sign them up to our existing model. But that almost makes me think, um, do you have any sense whether uh, consciously or, or subconsciously, maybe the labels, don't want SoundCloud to succeed. <laughs> like maybe, maybe they're they're spooked by the nature of this sort of surfacing new artists for free, and that that's sort of like a threat to to their model or something. Possibly, but they're also like, I mean, at the time they're realizing that like no one's people. I mean, iTunes sales are shrinking. No one's buying CDs. Streaming is definitely the way to go. Um, but they had a certain view on streaming, and streaming had to be on their own terms, and it had to be in this uh, nine ninety nine a month 
streaming service that people pay subscriptions to, right? So um, I don't necessarily think they were afraid of it, but I don't know if they knew what to do with it. And it took them a while to to kind of come to terms with it. And by that time, um, negotiations were, were hammered out by, I think the last label came on mid-2016 and around the time of the launch of SoundCloud Go, like the other services had, had taken so much of the, the pie that there was really nothing left for SoundCloud. Well, so as, as Christina and I talked about uh, several mm-hmm. times, um, the obvious analogy for SoundCloud is, is to YouTube. And obviously, mm-hmm. YouTube mm-hmm. YouTube is saved by the uh, Google acquisition of YouTube. And so um, Twitter makes a run at at soundcloud it, it was just the 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 price issue that that made that ultimately not happen a couple things yes T- twitter comes in i know they're so twitter at the time you have to realize they were like really going into this like music push like they had hired like uh i think a Ticketmaster executives and the idea was to like like musicians and artists were some of the biggest power users on twitter they wanted to have like a complete experience so that they can connect with their fans. And so that was a motivating, uh, motivating reason why they wanted to go look at SoundCloud. And I think this was, um, uh, um, I think 2013, 2014. Mm-hmm. And I know that executives were meeting and Twitter just missed on Instagram and they didn't want to miss on the next big property. Um, and so negotiations went pretty far along and, and SoundCloud really was holding out for around like a $2 billion valuation. Mm-hmm. At some point, uh, I think it was in May uh, of, of uh, 2013, I think is, is the date, Twitter stock is crashing. Um, they think the price is way too high and they don't know what to do with the legal risk. I mean, at this time, SoundCloud had no deals in place with the majors. Mm-hmm. And so because they had those, uh, there was still like a lot of stuff up in the air. And I mean, SoundCloud was so confident that Alex was calling, Alex Young was, the CEO was calling people and saying like, we're going to, we're going to actually have the deal signed this day on May 19th. You be, you guys should be ready because we're going to sign the papers. And by the end of that day, the deal had basically collapsed. Did you get a sense from the, the, the people you talked to that, that, that was, they sort of missed their shot there, like internally at SoundCloud, did they feel like that that was their shot and they blew it? I don't know if they, if they thought that was their only shot, but they were certainly devastated. Mm. I mean, people really thought this was going to happen. It was so close. And, and like Alex and Eric, when they missed on this deal were, were devastated according to like someone that I talked to. So, um, yeah, it was it was tough, but I don't know if they thought it was their only shot. Like, yeah, like uh, you know, acquisitions get missed all the time. So. Right. Well, actually, yeah. speaking of that, how how close did they get to uh, Spotify buying them? They were close, but at, at the time with Spotify, they weren't really negotiating from a position of strength. Right. And, um, there were already talks about it having issues with signing deals, um, and they were close to Spotify. I mean so close that executives were visiting each other at both offices. Alex knows Daniel X fairly well. They're both Swedish. Um, and obviously both have very successful, um, audio streaming companies. Um, but a deal just never got hammered out against Spotify was, uh, 
as it says in the story, was kind of uh, afraid of doing a, a deal that large ahead of of going public. The um, where 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 are they? What's their status now? We know that they they just had these layoffs, and then there's the rumors that they've got like basically a couple months left of cash. Um, do we know any more about like what the status is at this moment? Yeah, they're frantically trying to do deals, and it's a pretty fast-moving situation. So I don't know. Um, by the time this podcast comes out, I think <laughs> they might they might have already closed deals. But when we when we put brand story, we were we were hearing that they were trying to raise uh, like a hundred million or north of a hundred million to to kind of keep the company afloat. Mm-hmm. Um, Bloomberg has since reported that they're trying to sell stakes to uh, Temasek and Rain Group, uh, the private equity firm, um, and that would. Uh, Essentially, once those stakes are sold off, give away majority control of the company to those those two entities. Although I don't know the status or if those two deals have have been completed. But it, it sounds like it's it's another round or someone taking a piece. But there's you haven't heard any rumors of a, a, an outright acquisition by somebody. No, they're selling off pieces. And but again, if you give up majority control, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean. Alex and Eric and their current shareholders no longer have like ultimate decision making over that company. So, final question is probably an unfair one, <laughs> but <laughs> if um, if if you had to give me odds, um, will what are the odds that SoundCloud six months from now will still be an an independent entity that that actually exists? Oh, man, man. <laughs> yeah, I think the, the the thing uh, I, I'll go on a tangent here, but like, yeah, the thing that like that like was really kind of d- just like sad to see is like when when the layoffs got announced, like there were rumors floating around, like would people's SoundCloud's like material get like deleted, um, like what would happen to like my profile, um, and like a lot of people were just like scared that it would just like disappear. Um, I don't think that's the case. I think there's still like a lot of value in the asset. Um, and I think they'll probably pull together deals where they'll they'll stay afloat. But um, yeah, it depends. I mean, they, they now have these label deals in place. I'm sure they'll kind of reorg, and I mean, they've already started to reorg. Um, and tr- maybe they, they shift their focus. They said they're going to go back on focusing on creators as opposed to this um, last few years is focusing on on listeners. Right. Um, so maybe. You know, pivot right back to the model that they should have stuck with to begin with. Yeah, you might I, you might see them get rid of the SoundCloud Go product, um, the streaming, mm-hmm. um, and the but uh, but then they lose a, a significant revenue stream, I guess. So yeah, it's hard to say. Um, we reported that the they're already kind of considering what to do with Alex, whether that's removing him and elevating him to a chairman role. So um, that remains to be seen what happens with that as well. Uh, well, Ryan, um, thanks for a really great piece, and, and thanks for uh, Thank coming you. on the show and um, um, adding, adding more details to this. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me. If this is the first time you're listening to this podcast, please subscribe to us on your podcast app of choice. There's plenty more great internet history where that came from. And if you're a longtime listener, then you know what to do to help us out. Rate and review us on iTunes because iTunes gives credit to reviews and ratings, and the more great reviews we get, the more people will discover us. 
As always, there's more info on our website, www.internethistorypodcast.com. The show's Twitter handle is at NetHistoryPod, and my personal Twitter is at BrianMCC. Thanks for listening.